Blog Talk Radio. We've got to be the body to rock it like we're never going to see it again. We are exploding. The world is going to know it. we rock it like you're never going to see us again. Come on over. Come on over. Good evening, everyone. It is 11 p.m. Straight up and pure gold is once again live and on the air for this Tuesday night. April 16th, 2019. Welcome to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. Is that the catch line, Dave? Uh, I think so. Uh, last time I checked, let's ask the British lady. She'll know. She'll know. Anyway, welcome to the show. My name is JB. My co-host is DG. Sir, how have you been? It's been like almost a year since we've been on the air. Yeah, it's you know, it's actually crazy, and for those of you uh, keeping score at home, uh, apparently this is episode 213, but uh, that's what Blog Talk tells me. I thought it was 211, but that's neither here nor there. So the last time we did a show, you want to venture a guess as to when it was? I'm going to have to say it was like June 21st, 2018. It was May 31st of 2018. It's been, we are six weeks away from the one-year anniversary, the last time we did a show, I think this is by far the longest we've ever gone without doing a show. And ironically, or unironically, uh, we did an episode of the 5th of April last year, so we're not that far off from the one-year anniversary of that show. Wow. I mean... Time flies so many, and you're having fun, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, so many things have changed in the past year. So many things have happened. We're going to try to cram it all into a, about an hour for you all. But, uh, sir, what's the uh, famous... I guess the the catch line, the uh, the details for people to call in, listen in, watch us, listen to us. Well, first of all, let's be honest. Nobody's listening right now, so, I mean, it doesn't even matter. But, you know, for the really? sake of all the conversations and all the episodes that we've had in the past and, you know, for the fact that, you know, we've done it so many times, folks, make sure you check us out. Oh, wait, we don't have a website anymore because it got destroyed. <laughs> Thanks, oh, Just Host. You suck. Um, trying to get back to the studio here. Folks, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can give us a call, and that number is, it's actually the number that I sent to Joe in the evening, because Joe, of course, doesn't remember the number either. It is 917-931, uh, excuse me, 917-932-1768. Once again, that is 917-932-1768. That's probably like the fifth phone number change that we've had since Pure Gold has been on yeah, live on the air. I would say we've had a lot of phone number changes. I mean, I don't even understand why this keeps happening, why this keeps changing. But for whatever reason, you know, they love to they love to change our numbers on us. It doesn't even make sense to me, but that's just that's just the way it is, sir. Apparently, they think uh, it's it's the way to go for PG. And the funny thing is, once you get used to a number, they switch it up. It's like that Roddy Piper phrase. What was it? Uh, what was it, um, you know, when, just when you think you figure out all the questions, or figure out all the answers, I change the question? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. for uh, these scumbags out there changing our numbers, by the way. Anyway, let's get to it because probably there's a lot to talk about. But Wait, I got to say, what I, is the point? Thanks, Mike. Uh, Mike, I always count on Mike to uh, drop in and uh, 
Yeah, let us know what he really thinks about our show. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I agree. You guys are awesome. Well, thank you. Oh, thanks, Nikki. Appreciate that. Sorry, sir, what were you saying? I, I get a little carried away sometimes. She's still around. That's good. Um, so, yeah, I know that there's some things that we won't get to because you just don't follow hockey, but my team just swept the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is good. We're on to the round two of the playoffs in hockey. Your team, um, the uh, New York Icelanders? The New York Icelanders, the only team in the tri-state area that has made the playoffs. And now all on to round two. That's neither here nor there because you don't follow hockey unless, I guess, Nashville is in the finals because you're close to there. <laughs> yeah, because um, you, you, know, you know I would love to see the Nashville Predators in the uh, finals because uh, winning Lord Stanley's Cup, that's that's uh, that's more important to me than Mets winning the World Series and the Giants actually being good again. The only thing that matters to me right now is the yeah, Nashville Predators winning it all. That, I, just, I just got done watching the end of that football game that was on TV between the Eagles and the Giants and, um, you know, the Giants' offense wasn't there. Fourteen to three, um, two touchdowns to the field goal. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you're a funny guy. I gotta tell you, you are a funny guy, sir. All right, let's let's get uh, to it though. I mean, I know I want, uh, we want to talk some wrestling, but we might as well just start with the Metropolitans. The season's about three, three and a half weeks in, and the Mets, um, as always, um, continue to to me under deliver. Um, their their pitching is is uh, mediocre at best. I think they've they've improved their offense uh, a little bit over in the offseason. Their bullpen, again, I, I mean, wait, I'm, I'm, so let me just catch up. I wouldn't say a little bit. I mean, I would say they improved it quite a bit, but the problem is that you're going to say their bullpen, it's just a hot mess, sir. It's an absolute deuce, and there's no way around it. And let's be real, that is what's going to cost the Mets a lot of games this year. And there, there's You can't go anywhere if your bullpen stinks, and, yeah, the Mets aren't going anywhere because of that bullpen. Oh, and by the way, Brody says that they're fine. They love the, they like the guys that they have, including Jason Vargas. Specifically, said Jason Vargas. So you know the Mets are going to win a lot this year with that attitude. Well, since you know we haven't spoken about the Mets in about a year on the show, let's talk about the new GM. Um, you you like the offseason moves that the Mets made? I I definitely. I like some have of them. Looked. I didn't love them. Yeah. I thought there was a lot yeah. of bad ones, but I you know some of them I didn't understand, but I, I did think some of them were good. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have brought back Familia. I think that I've seen enough of him, and him as an eighth uh, inning pitcher is just as bad as him being the closer. I just, uh, I think that the Mets are going to lose a lot of games with Familia uh, being in the eighth inning. Uh, he's not, he's not even a setup man. He's not a closer. He's not a setup man. He's just not a good reliever. He's, he reminds me of too much of Benitez, and he's got the body build of uh, Armando Benitez. It just, I don't like him. I'm pretty sure they're related. <laughs> they're cousins, right? <laughs> Yeah, probably. I mean, they're both Dominicans, so who knows? They're both they're both Mets. They're both trailer trash. I mean, let's be real. Well, the Mets did one good thing. I think they did one good thing. A really good thing is that they they signed and locked up Jacob Degrom, who um, had a first. His first two games were really dominant ace type material, but the last right. two games and the last two games though have not been uh, ace quality starts, if you will. I just feel that. I don't know if it's just the weather. The temperature really hasn't been really that great here in the tri-state area. Um, he just, you know, it's been cold. Uh, yesterday was like felt like winter again. Um, I just don't know, like, if Jacob Degrom is just not, you know, you know, he needs to pitch better in the in the warmer weather, or now he's got his contract and now he's going to sit on that. Um, I know you're not too concerned about Jacob Degrom, and if you are concerned about him, then we're really in trouble if we're going to start being concerned about him because let's face it, Noah Zach Wheeler. Like you said, Vargas and Mats, they're just they're, they're mediocre. I mean, they're not great starting pitchers. 
You know, I, I you know that I don't like Noah Syndergaard. I'm not a fan. I think he's overrated. I think he believes it's on hype. I think he's one of these guys who he trolls a lot on social media, and he's constantly looking for buzz, and he's constantly like, you know, he's got these, all these fights with all these mascots. I wish he would focus more on his pitching than he does on that stupid stuff. With that being said, obviously I want him to do well. I would love to. I would love to trade him, but his trade value is not at an all-time high right now. Um, to me, he's he's definitely not as good as he thinks he is, but he can still be useful. I don't like Stephen Matz at all. I tweeted about it earlier. I, I can't stand him. I think he's terrible. I think he's incredibly inconsistent. He reminds me of Bill Pulsifer, um, and I think he's going to be the same type of pitcher. He's never going to live up to his potential. You know, he's a lefty. The only reason he's still around, but to me, he's just he's just not good. Not good enough. He'll have a good game. He hardly ever gets out of like the fifth inning. He. he Two, three times through the rotation, he gets lit up like a Christmas tree. You got Jason Vargas, he stinks. You know, I mean, honestly, if there's anything, if there's any point that you want to sit here and talk about uh, Jason Vargas as, as the Mets' fifth starter, I mean, the fact of the matter is that, uh, you know, it's. And you could also say this about uh, Brody Van Wagenen for keeping him around. Stupid idiot! <laughs> Wait, what was, that? what was that, Chris? Uh, Stupid idiot! Yes, absolutely. What were you saying, sir? Yeah. No, I was saying, we're in 2019 here, and nothing really changes with the ownership. Honestly, there's two pitchers that I would add to this uh, this team right now, and you don't have to pay them a lot of money because they've been going, they've gone unsigned. Um, actually, there's three people. So I'm going to name them real fast, and you just give me your take on them. The, the, the Mets, I mean, the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees are about to probably release Gio Gonzalez from their minor league contract because he's allowed to... Um, leave the, the, that contract after 30 days. If they, he doesn't come up to the majors because they signed him to a minor league deal, he's allowed to come out of this contract and be a free agent again. So I think the Mets would be wise to sign a, either Gio Gonzalez or even a, a Keiko Ooh, as their yeah, fourth yeah. or fifth starter. With uh, those two people, um, I really think that could solidify the starting rotation. And we had him home. Obviously, Mike. Um, I, I don't know why. Uh, even Kimbrel is still out on the free agent market. I think that he would, actually, he would actually show well, up. That's how I feel. That, that's how I feel about Brody right now. You've mentioned these guys that, of course, I was going to get into, but, you know, let's just let's dive right in with that. Um, he said, literally, he was asked about Keiko, who you were, the next guy you were going to mention, Dallas Keiko. He was asked about Craig Kimbrel and who the Mets desperately need, I would think. And they're like, he said, I'm happy with the guys that we got. I'm sure those guys can help other teams. I mean, what the hell? Is this really the type of message you want to send? I mean, come on. That, stuff like that really pisses me off. And these guys get slot in. You know, no one signed them, which is kind of crazy to me. But you tell me that these guys won't be won't be an upgrade? You tell me Dallas Keiko isn't a huge upgrade over Jason Vargas? No, I agree. I, I guess uh, the only issue with Kimbrell is that I, I've heard that he's holding out because he wants to be the closer. And, and Edwin Diaz has been a really great pickup for the Mets for that trade that they got with Cano. Uh, maybe that's why they're not getting Kimball, because he won't sign as a, a setup man? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I guess it's possible, but, I mean, if you give the guy a, a good contract, no one's signing him. You tell me that this guy you tell me this guy can't do a year as a setup man, maybe? I mean, come on. And and not only that, but, again, Dallas Keiko, no one has signed these guys. I mean, what kind of, what kind of exorbitant contract are they looking for? It's already April. April's yeah. halfway over. Are you going to sit out the entire year? See, that's what, but that's what's frustrating me, uh, frustrating as a Mets fan. Like, we didn't go after the big name like Bryce Harper or uh, Manny Machado, who, um, you know, the San Diego Padres of all teams landed him, and then the uh, 
you know, the Philadelphia Phillies, our arch rivals, Atlanta Bryce Harper. So he didn't even leave the division. He's still in our division. And I understand you don't want to throw in, they don't want to throw out like 300 or $400 million in the upwards of that much money for a player like that. Um, because I think they got burned or they feel like they got burned with uh, Cespedes. But they must be making some kind of money off of him being on the um, on the uh, disabled list or the injured list, as they call it now. They can't even call it the disabled yeah, they, um Yeah, they can't. I know. They um they get the uh, the insurance money, so right. it's basically a wash. Right. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what Brody is trying to sell. Is he, is he trying to convince himself that this is a good team? He's a used car salesman. Trying? No, he's trying, to, he's trying to convince the fans. This guy's a used car salesman. You know, I, I really think the Mets did what they did with um, – with Cindergard, uh, who was a big, who was a big proponent of the Mets signing the ground, the Mets signed the ground right before the season started. And to me, it's almost like to wash the bad taste out of the mouth of the people who weren't sold on a lot of these moves. Because to me, none of these rooms, moves were knockout moves. Even the Cano and Diaz deal. If it's just Diaz and they traded less, you could say, "Wow, what a move!" But they got Cano. They got this big contract. They only got twenty million dollars. They ended up giving up, giving away a bunch of talent. So there's none of these moves to say were absolute knockout home runs. Bringing back Familia, please. You, you and I are both against that. We were talking about it privately. But when you look at the team, when you look at where they are, I mean, they they could use these guys. They're not doing anything, and they're just kind of they're just kind of in a holding pattern. And you've got guys like like uh, you know Vargas who just are not getting the job done, sir. Exactly. And then I think the only bright spot right now, or maybe there's two bright spots, if you will. There's only two bright spots right now in the Mets right now. That's the, the emergence of P. Alonso, who can be and should be the rookie of the year. Like you said, he's playing great. He's hit his the the ball the ball like just pops off as his bat. Like he he's got some swing, he's got some power, and I think that he can hopefully health wise he stays healthy and just like delivers a a monster year for the team because they need that right now because. Um, you know, people like Robinson Cano that we thought that would deliver big time. So far, is only bagged 200. I guess that's the Mendoza line. Um, you know. And yeah, 200 is Mendoza line. Well, hey, not, not to cut you off, sir, but when you're talking about Alonso, you know what impresses me the most about this guy? His uh, ability to walk as well as hit. Well, well, no, two things. Well, the walking is okay. good, but two things. All of his home runs are absolute moonshots. They're all like 440 feet plus. And he's hitting balls to like dead center or right center field. This guy's not pull happy, and he's he's absolutely. He, if you ever watch the uh, replays and stuff, or you watch again, when he hits home runs, they don't even look like home runs. They just take off and they go. They look like they could be five balls to the outfield, and they just go four hundred plus feet, you know. And then he's hitting he's hitting bombs. He's hitting these shots, and he just started. He's been in the major leagues for two weeks, and he's just he's absolutely destroying the ball, and he's showing no signs of any pressure. And I honestly think that if he stays healthy. Which hopefully he will. He will be the rookie of the year. I mean, he could hit 40 home runs so easily. I mean, this guy, this guy is an absolute monster. And speaking of all that, just to, you know, you mentioned that's the bright spot. Wait, what was the other bright spot? Because I want to get into something else Mets related. Um, I mean, do you, do you agree that Edwin Diaz, the closer, has been a bright spot so far? Oh yeah, absolutely. He looks great, you know. But you want to talk about negative spots? Let's talk about negative. You know who I cannot stand in this organization, other uh, than the owners. Uh, is it a starting pitcher? <laughs> no, it's not. A, oh, yeah, that's that's. Funny. No, oh, well, this guy was a pitching coach, and he's now the manager of the Mets. Uh, any, you want to take a guess on who that is? <laughs> you 
You know, Mickey Mouse uh, has got to go. I think everyone doesn't. I, I don't think anybody that I know likes Mickey um, as their manager. And tell me why you feel Mickey's not a good fit to be manager. Joe, let me ask you: How long have you been watching? Uh, how long have you been watching baseball? Uh, since '85, so that's about uh, 50, okay, 34 so that's thirty-three, years. thirty-four years. Okay. Have you ever, in your life, well, have you ever played a baseball game? I, I have, yes. Not professionally, but yes, I've played baseball. Right. Have you ever in your life heard of a manager taking guys out? Guy hits. Guy has a four-hit game, sit him the next day. Guy hits a 500-foot home run, let's sit him the next game. I feel like Mickey has never seen a baseball game. He's never watched a baseball game. He's never played a baseball game because this guy has this, and he's done it like three or four times. He has this, or more, he has this annoying habit where he'll take guys out. Even if you have a monster game, he'll sit you because he doesn't believe in playing the hot hand. I've literally never heard a manager in my life say that he doesn't believe that, that he thinks that guys all, you know, play well, whatever, sits. So yesterday's performance is not indicative of today's performance, which in theory that's true. But if you got a guy who's got a five, six game hitting streak, uh, are you going to take him out or are you going to leave him in? Well, Mickey would take him out. He did it game three, Joe. This guy, third game of the season, first weekend of the season, he sat Wilson Ramos, he sat Jeff McNeil. Why? He, the other day he sat Pete Alonso. He sat Alonso twice after, after a big game or a big home run. And he does not believe in this idea of playing the guy when they're, when they're doing well. I don't understand it. It baffles me. And I think the guy is completely clueless. And he's an absolute, complete, utter baboon. <laughs> but I, I honestly, like, I, I agree with everything you said there, but... I would have to think that since Brody didn't actually hire Mickey, he was brought on after Mickey was hired. Right. I would think that I would think that Mickey has a short leash with Brody. Um, if the Mets finish sub, you mean the other way around? Year, oh, right, the other way around. But that's always I always do that. <laughs> um, I you know I, I think that if the Mets finish sub 500 this year, which you know you never know what the Mets they they can. I mean they. I don't I don't think they will finish sub 500, but you know oh, I I don't think I don't think they're going anywhere. That's for sure. Yeah, and if they finish 81-81, I don't think that's what Brody expected. You know, he again, he was trying to sell this team to be a playoff team. So if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I feel like that Brody will be out. I mean, Mickey will be out as the manager, and I feel like I think the the manager of the Mets is actually the, the their bench coach right now. I think that Jim Riggleman will be the Mets coach manager um, come next year. Honestly, if the Mets just uh, crap the bed as they always do. I the Mets are only gonna go as far as they're starting pitching. If if Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, uh Zach Wheeler and Mets um have good years, the Mets will be above five hundred. If they don't and Mets does what he did tonight, the Mets are not gonna finish above five hundred. They'll finish five hundred at best, to be honest with you. You think? I think about it. I mean you need Jacob DeGrom to have a great season just like he did last year, a Cy Young performance. You need Noah Syndergaard to actually be decent, which he's been hot and cold this year. He hasn't, I mean, and again, I don't know if that's the weather-related or just he's not that good. I just He's I, literally been hot, hot and cold? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of Noah Syndergaard. I know Zach Wheeler is not going to be with the Mets next year. Um, he's a free agent. I don't think the Mets want to resign him. I don't think he wants to come back as a Met. So he's need to, he needs to prove himself this year. So if he doesn't have a good performance this year, he's going to screw himself in the free agency market too. So um, a lot riding on, on Zach Wheeler this year for himself, honestly. I agree with that, sir. But, I mean, I think the Mets will finish a couple games above 500. I, like I said, I just don't think they're going anywhere. 
Cano's going to get hot. This guy's a career 300 hitter. He's never hit below 300, basically, so I think he'll be fine. I mean, he's no Jay Bruce, but uh, who is, right? Yeah, I, but I look at the, this division, and honestly, the Phillies, the Nets, are the only two teams that can win the division, along with the Mets, honestly. Like, I think the three teams are they're pretty comparable, and they're not, like, one team is not above the rest. I think they're they're all right there, and I think that if the Mets could win uh, more games than not, like if you know they have 19 games against the Phillies and 19 games against the Nets, if the Mets go something like um, I don't know, uh, 12, 12 and seven or 11 and eight against those teams, the Mets are actually going to have a shot to win that division or at the very least contend for a wild card. Um, I just don't know if they will. I'm not. I'm not impressed with the Phillies. I'm not impressed with the Nets from what I've seen so far. Right, right. I mean, you know, it's. I'm not impressed either, but I guess we'll have to wait and see, sir. Yeah, the only other story is that on the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the fence or the river, whatever you want to call it, the Bronx, the the Yankees. Um, it looks like they've been hit with the injury bug, like the Mets were hit with the injury bug the last yeah, couple pretty, of years. Pretty much from day one. Yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of injuries and they've got a lot of question marks. This is a team that was supposed to be favored to win the whole thing this year. Um, I know it's, again, only three and a half weeks in, but there's there's like five and a half games out. I know Tampa Bay is not going to hold that first place lead for long, but um, with those injuries and the fact that their starting pitching is not as good as it, I guess, it seems, or with all the, just basically all the injuries, the, the Yankees are going to struggle this year. I don't think they're going to win um, 108 games like the, the Red Sox did last year, who are struggling themselves this year. This, this definitely is the honeymoon year for the Red Sox. I don't think that they're going to even contend. I think the Yankees are actually going to play with the Rays for that division. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting year for baseball. It's a lot to watch. It's only, what, uh, April 16th? I was putting us in August already, so I guess we'll see how things pan out. You know, we were talking about this earlier. You mentioned Keiko and uh, Kimber. Well, it's funny because there's an article here on Yahoo that just came across my desk, and it says they reportedly, both of them, Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keiko, are reportedly uh, lowering their free agent asking prices. So we'll see. Uh, it's it, it's possible that they may get down to a better uh, a better deal, maybe take a one-year deal. Who knows? And I guess we'll go from there. Hey, let's face it. Keiko or or even Gio Gonzalez are way better than um, than Vargas. I mean, as their number well, five. Well, you're so. better than Vargas. So that's that's besides the point. Thank you. So I guess that's it on baseball because it's so early. And um, if we ever if if we have another show this year, we'll <laughs> we'll definitely break down baseball it's as a, as so a much more to talk about. We we have a show about like in September. Let's say you know it's funny as I moved into this house uh, in September. And yeah. uh, we talked about doing a show once I got settled. Well, it only took me about six months, but I finally got settled. <laughs> You're settled in. What, what, what can I tell you? Um, so I guess the other big topic, uh, honestly, is to just talk about, unfortunately, is about wrestling. We always go back to wrestling. Uh, you know, WrestleMania was just uh, about a week uh, a week ago, and um, the build-up to it, you know, everything that um, that happened, and now we had the shake-up this past um, two days, Monday and Tuesday, um, you know, things have settled and they're ready to reset the storylines and start a new, you know, building up to, towards WrestleMania 36. Um, I, I guess first, just give me your thoughts on um, what you thought about WrestleMania and, and, and as a whole, and let's go into the particulars. I mean, there's so much to talk about, but I, I was underwhelmed with WrestleMania. 
I know a lot of people liked it. A lot of people thought it was great. Um, you know, I thought it was good. I thought it had some good matches. I, I didn't like the triple threat, the women's triple threat. I thought that, you know, the only reason they did it is to, quote-unquote, make history. I thought Kofi's moment was a bigger deal than the way that they – it seems like they screwed up Ronda Rossi getting pinned, and then, you know, um, Becky got the kind of cheap victory. So I don't know what that's all about. I wasn't a big fan of that ending, but um, that's just me personally. I thought the Kofi moment was huge. I want to see how long he holds it. I feel like he has to hold it for a long time because otherwise it seems like, you know, we're going to bring back the racism and all these other issues. If Kofi has like a one-month title reign, I feel like that's going to be a big problem for the WWE, you know, in terms of their public perception. So I think just for that alone, he's going to keep it for a while. Um, You know, I thought that was the the best move. You know, not the best move, but I thought that that was the best – match the best moment i to me that's a closed out wrestlemania moment it happened at such a weird point in the night it was almost like halfway through the show when the crowd had already been sitting there for like five hours at that point even though it was halfway through the televised broadcast you know i feel like that kind of sucked a little bit of the wind out of it um i was surprised the triple h batista match was better than i thought of course triple h has the longest match on the card I thought the balor um lastly match was not good i mean they they good for what it was but it was like a four-minute slot fest. I didn't like that. Uh, what else? I thought the the Lesnar-Rollins placement on the card was good, but the match itself wasn't. I, I'm surprised there wasn't more talk about the fact that Seth basically beat him with a low-blown three of his finishers. And oh, to me, to me, it just wasn't booked well. But what about you, sir? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this. Uh, you would think that the WWE would learn their lesson um, the first time. I don't know how many years ago, but. You know, when you put on a show like WrestleMania, I understand it's your Super Bowl and you want it to be the biggest event and all that good stuff. But when you start the event at 5 p.m. and you don't finish the event until 12:30 p.m., you really will keep you will you'll kill the crowd by like 9:30, 10 o'clock. And that's the problem with with such a long pay-per-view is that you have the crowd that's dead for the matches that you want the crowd to be alive for, especially that you know the main right. event, the first time first time ever women's main event triple threat. You had Ronda Rousey against Sasha, uh, not Sasha. That's what I want to talk about. Sasha. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, versus, uh, you know, Ronda versus Charlotte, Charlotte versus Becky. Uh, Becky. Yeah. Um, the match was, you know, so-so. It ended and people were like, wow, that that was the end of the match. I mean, I think everybody was surprised. So um, where I agree with you, the, the best moment was Coffee Kingston winning. I don't even know if putting him on last would have done anything because the crowd was dead at that point. I don't know if you would have woke I him think, up with that. I think the crowd would have popped for that. With that specific way they did it, the booking of the match itself, if you just put that match at the end, I think the crowd pops because it's such a big deal. I really do. I think that the the, the women's triple threat was lackluster, and I think that's another big reason why it didn't pop. Yeah, so you had, you, you know, you had those matches, and then you have the fallout from those matches, right? Um, obviously... Uh, Brock Lesnar dropping the strap the way he did uh, the first match of the night. Um, I don't know if this is true or not. You know, you hear rumors that Brock was upset with Vince that he wasn't going to be on the uh, wasn't going to be the last match of the night, and then he said, "If I'm not going to be the last match of the night, I want to be the first match, so I get the hell out of there." Um, I guess that is true. But then you have people that get disgruntled with uh, Vince McMahon, and this is the person I want to talk to about because we can really dive in. I, I, I'd like to get your thoughts on it on the air. Is that somebody like Sasha Banks? Uh, finds out, uh, according to what we hear, she finds out that she's going to drop. They're going to drop the tag team strap, the tag team women's title strap, 
uh, last minute, and she gets all upset. And now she's so upset that she doesn't even want to work with the company anymore. She's not showing up to house shows. She's not showing up to events, SmackDown Raw. Um, uh, to me, it's not being a team player. I just think it sends the wrong message. Is this because there's now competition coming down the road for the WWE, or is this just a power play for her to get what she wants in the WWE, sir? See, I don't know if it's a power play. I would think that Sasha would – I think – I would think that she would be upset, and I don't blame her. I get your take on it, but you're also an HR guy, so you're going to be a corporate stooge. <laughs> right. But to me, to me, I feel like it's just – it sets a bad precedent what they're doing. I mean, look, you and I talked about this off the air. Um, I can't think of – there is not another superstar in the WWE history – who has been given as many title runs as Sasha without ever being successful at defending them. She's a four-time women's champ. Not once was she ever able to successfully defend that title. Not one single time. I can't think of anybody who's had two or three title reigns, let alone four title reigns at the biggest price that they have for you know her division and never being able to win a match. Not one single title defense. And then they go as a tag team champions. You think, wow, this is history. The first ever uh, women's tag team champs for this version of the tag team titles, of course, because they've had it in the past in the 80s, there were women's tag team championships. Um, and then you think she's going to have this long reign. Finally, she gets over the hump of successfully defending a title. They did it once. And then at WrestleMania, they lose it to the Iconics of all teams. And, you know, Sasha kept, they went to SmackDown, they went to NXT, they went to Raw. Oh, we're going to defend these titles. We're going to be fighting champions, and then they lose it so quickly. To me, that's bad booking. To me, it doesn't make sense. They should have had a run at least till SummerSlam, if not longer, as the first champions. I bet you the Iconics have a three-time longer one. And now, like you said, Sasha's MIA. They're kind of tying it into the story, so we're not sure how much of it's true. But Bailey, quote-unquote, called her yesterday. Now Bailey's actually teaming up with Ember Moon, and I think that's a new tag team partner because Sasha's MIA. And there's pictures of her in the Dominican Republic on vacation. Uh, she apparently, she unfollowed WWE on social media. She unfollowed Alexa Bliss. She unfollowed all these people. No one can get a hold of her, supposedly. And the last thing I heard was that they were reaching out to her, asking her to come back, and she had no interest in it. And I think, yeah, maybe she does want to go to AEW, but I think she sees her worth and her value. And as, bad as, as badly as she's been booked, she was over big time in NXT and in, in, um, on the main roster so to me, Sasha's a huge star. If she went to AEW, she'd be the star, the face of the women's division, and they'd probably throw a ton of money at her. So, I mean, to me, I think it's worth doing, and how, how could she be happy? Why would she be happy? You know, people say that, people say that um, you know, they're prop titles, and why get upset over it? I mean, come on, you want to establish something, you want to kind of make history and, and have a good run at it, and then it's like, yeah, here, you're going to lose titles to this group. And I can understand her being upset. Supposedly, she, I don't know if this is true, but that she threw a tantrum, her and Bailey, they threw themselves on the floor in front of the, their hotel rooms, in front of the locker room. I mean, again, I don't know if any of this is true to take it with a grain of salt, but there's just a lot of rumors going on. And uh, I supposedly she asked for her release. That was the latest, uh, the latest thing that I read. Yeah, but I guess my question is, would... Would you ask for your release if there was no other competition out there? Like, I don't know what's out there besides AEW. I don't know. I don't know because maybe she's that upset, and can you blame her? She's been, Look, man, she's been booked terribly. She, for, she really has from Jump Street, so I don't see why she would be happy. You know, she's a brand. Sasha, Brank, Sasha Banks is the brand. And if she's constantly losing and can never defend herself, she already has a history of this, right? Alexa Bliss, who's nowhere near as talented as Sasha is, you know, overall, 
Um, she's been five-time women's champion. She had a bunch of successful title reigns and title defenses and everything else. And, you know, supposedly the plan from what I heard was that she was going to squash Sasha and Bailey. So I don't know what the WWE is doing. You know that they're petty. You know that they're, they don't know what the hell they're doing. And to me, this is just not, not a smart move, sir. It was just not at all. So you have the whole build-up towards WrestleMania, and, you know, Ronda Rousey loses with a, a cheap finish. Um, she's uh, Becky pins her, and according to, like, people saying, like, the, her shoulders were up or it was just a weird count, Vince is, like, uh, fining referees left and right at WrestleMania. It's a mess. Now you have um, Ronda Rousey taking a leave of absence to start a family, so who knows when you'll see her again. Becky has two belts. She has the Raw. Uh, belt and the SmackDown belt. Does this mean that she's going to be on both shows? Will she drop one? And will, what show will she end up on? Uh, there are questions that need to be answered. Obviously, in the next couple weeks, two months. Um, but it's interesting to see that uh, Becky still has both titles and they haven't done anything with that. So, um, you know, you, you would think that she would drop one and stay on one show. But she's so popular right now. Do you keep her on both shows and float her back and forth? Uh, I think that you got to keep her on both shows. you got to float her back and forth. You see that she's going to be challenged by Lacey Evans on Raw, which, you know, finally, she finally did something other than walking out, which I think is a good thing. She's probably going to end up taking the title off Becky at some point. I think they're really high on her. Um, you know, for her mic ability, apparently she's not as seasoned in the ring as she could be, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I thought it was funny that Becky called her um, new Charlotte. I thought that was pretty funny. That was um, pretty funny. You know, and then we'll see what happens on SmackDown. But honestly, I just there's just so much going on. You know, uh, do you wanna do you wanna dive into the Superstar Shakeup at all? Are we gonna talk about that or? Oh, definitely. I just you know I just want to also get to the fact that um, you know we were going back and forth off the air, and uh, people were going off back and forth uh, if it was a work or just an angle or he's gonna stay. But right. Dean Ambrose. I don't think Dean we'll Ambrose know, but it it seems like we hold on, uh, Sasha. I don't know if we will know, but it seems like it's definitely. There's a lot of real uh, reality to it, but you were going to mention your boy Dean Ambrose? Yeah, just the fact that um, I think he's going to end up signing with AEW. And what's interesting is that, you know, SmackDown moves to Fox um, in October. That's about the time that AEW will be coming onto TV. Rumors are that they're going to be on TNT or TBS, which is interesting because that's where WCW was. That would be was. interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great, actually. Uh, poetic justice, if you will. But the fact that I'm hearing rumors, and again, these are all rumors, and you don't really know, rumors. but the fact that, that Dean Ambrose might be making more than Roman Reigns and um, Seth Rollins combined uh, for this company tells me that, um, you know, obviously they have a cash cow with AEW with the owner. I think he's the owner of the Jaguars. This reminds you of WCW all over again, but if, if that's the case, I don't really mind it because as much as, like, people don't think that the WWE will have competition with AEW, it will be another um, for another company that you can actually turn to if you're not happy with the WWE. Because let's face it, TNA right. was never competition for WWE. I think TNA tried to be, and I think they went wrong. I don't think AEW is trying to be competition. I think they're just trying to be competitive. They're trying to carve out a niche in the marketplace. I mean, the landscape of pro wrestling is better than it's ever been, and there's more opportunity than there's ever been for a new uh, a new team. So to me, you know, it's a good thing. More power to them. I hope it works out well, and although I'm not personally a fan of Dean Ambrose, if they're going to give him a boatload of money or a buttload of money, however you want to you want to you know describe it, good for him. I, I hope he gets it for his sake. Uh, I don't think he's worth it. I don't think he's that big of a game changer. But it is interesting. One of the biggest stars in, in terms of the Shield just left 
just didn't care and he's gone now. And uh, I don't know, it's just interesting to me that if he does have this opportunity, I mean, how do you walk away from that much money, sir, to be honest? Well, he'll probably have more creative freedom to do whatever he wants and he won't be stuck being Dean Ambrose anymore. He can be uh, a myriad of other things. Right, but not only that, but you won't have to work as many uh, shows apparently um, and make more money. That's that's incredible. And there'll be, uh, I think Tony uh, Tony Khan, who is the owner of the Jaguars, by the way, I'm pretty sure that he is offering them, uh, you know, medical benefits and sending, yeah. you know, they're gonna be they're gonna be actual employees versus this ridiculous independent contractor thing. Oh, by the way, speaking of releases, I know that you know you're not the, the biggest fan, but uh, Luke Harper asked for his release. He he publicly uh, talked about that on the Twitter machine, and uh, that's another guy who, who's, you know, wants to get the hell out of WWE and is not happy. So it's interesting, this whole independent contractor thing, which has been a big deal recently, you know, people are calling out the WWE, and, you know, Tony Khan comes along and he's like, hey, you guys matter, and I'm going to treat you important like your employees and stuff. So it's interesting. Well, it's funny, you know, the, the WWE decides that they want to do two shows again. They, they want to do a, a brand split, you know, between SmackDown and Raw, and the fact is that, um, you know, it's just to show more guys or showcase more guys on TV. But people like Rowan, um, Luke Harper, the big guys, right, they're all underutilized for whatever reason. Uh, they get stuck with the, what we call mid-card for life. Even like the fall of Braun Strowman, we could spend probably an hour just fascinating how somebody like that was really going to be the, the next big thing besides Brock Lesnar. And, um, and besides you know, your son's parents. Besides my son's pants, um, if he, you know, even, <laughs> even the fall from grace for Brock uh, for Braun Strowman has been incredible, and um, oh yeah, of course. That, just to see that is just is crazy to think that he was ready to win the universal title uh, versus uh, Brock multiple Lesnar, times, and, yeah, multiple times, and and now is just stuck with mid card, and it got so bad for Braun Strowman that at WrestleMania. He, uh, I mean, it was so obvious. It wasn't so obvious, but he won the battle royal, and the last two people Again? in the battle royal are from two guys from Saturday Night Live, and he's got to, he's got to work with two guys from Saturday Night Live, two comedians, um, instead of actually working versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. That's how how fall how how much he's fallen yeah. from uh, the great well, Vince McMahon. Sp- speaking of falling from grace, and speaking of Braun Strowman, did you see what they did to EC3 yesterday? Oh my God, Braun Strowman, right? I mean, well, wh- wh- yeah, he killed him. What the- what happened to this guy? This guy's got an amazing look. You're not going to find a better look than EC3 has. This guy's pure gold on the mic to steal from our own our own show. This guy's got some in-ring ability. I mean, he could be a big star in the WWE. Not saying he's going to be the next Roman Reigns, but I mean, this guy could be huge. And they've completely buried him. He's on Raw apparently, which I didn't even know that, but that's where his show supposedly. I think he should be on SmackDown, but that's neither here nor there. I think everybody should be on SmackDown. But, I mean, they've completely kept him in the back. He's lost a – he's fought Dean Ambrose twice. I mean, he's done absolutely nothing since they brought him up, and I don't even know why they brought him up. They should have left him in NXT. It's like they bring these guys up, and they have absolutely no plan for them. And look what they did with uh, the War Raiders. I mean, I actually love that name, the War Raiders, and now Vince brings them up, and they're called the Viking Experience. I mean, what kind of name is that? You talk about Fall from Grace. I mean, they changed everything about them, their names, the, the name of the team, everything. And it's just, you know, getting back to EC3, I mean, he fell from Grace. You look at Strowman, I mean, he's fallen off the face of the earth, basically. I, I Honestly, I don't get it. I don't understand the booking of this company, and it's a shame, but I feel like there's so much talent that could be doing so much more than what they are. But instead, they're just signing guys to just keep them. I remember Jim Ross was saying on Busted Open a couple of weeks ago that, you know, he's, he's going to be working for AEW, which is, to me is a big deal because 
no matter what Kevin Knight says, he's the greatest wrestling announcer of all time. Um, but they had, they were looking into some guy. He didn't give it a name, but some guy who's a mid Carter in the WWE who literally does not was never on TV. And apparently the WWE just threw a boatload of money at this guy just to keep him, just so he wouldn't go anywhere else. And to me, that's they're just hoarding talent for no reason. It just makes no sense. Look what they did with Aleister Black and Ricochet. Like these guys who were who were excellent acts on their own as singles competitors, they just threw them together as a tag team. You know, they just they, look what they did with Bobby Roode. They just misused talent left and right. Guys like Roode, guys like um, EC3, guys like Ziggler, they should leave the company, go to AEW, and and you know be big because they're just being wasted in the WWE, which is amazing. I, so I much talent, and it's wasted. Yeah. I said it half-jokingly to you, and it's true, though, actually. Um, you know, usually with uh, the big pay-per-views, they always have an XT pay-per-view the Friday or the Saturday before um, the actual big event. So since this year, since WrestleMania was uh, this month, um, the Hall of Fame had to take place on Saturday night. So NXT was on Friday night. And if you want to see great wrestling, I mean, we, we could just dive into this real fast, too. Um, the match between Joey Gargano and Adam Cole, I mean, with Wait, Renee I'm sorry, who? Adam Cole. Did you just say Joey Gargano? Yeah, I call him Joey Gargano. Uh, you mean Johnny Gargano? Yeah, but I like Joey. I, I mean, that's my name. Right. <laughs> Jeez, anyway, those, what a loser. Those, those two guys, and NXT always puts on a great night of wrestling. And um, the fact that Renee Morrow always the match... I I always think that you know you need a great announcer like you said Jim Ross uh, called uh, right. has great calls. Um, but Renee Morrow on that night on uh, whatever August fifth. Why wait? Um, who who the hell is Renee Morrow? Are you talking about Morrow Ronaldo? Why are you oh, keep calling him Renee? <laughs> I don't know. I, I are you drunk? I mean, what are you doing over there? You 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 mispronounced everybody's name. I know you said you were <laughs> sleeping before the show started, but I mean, come on. Well, what is wrong with you? But you know I'm like the Chris Russo of the show. I'm always mispronouncing and missaying quotes and all that good stuff. So you got you got to let me have it. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> literally, uh, you're, you're gonna have it. Go to hell. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Chris. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that that match that shut night. Up, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. That's the type of wrestling <laughs> that. That's the type of wrestling that I loved because of the great calling, the great match. I mean, obviously. There were some moves that they kicked out that they shouldn't have kicked out that Johnny Wrestling was kicking out of. But, sir, NXT, if if you if you really wanted to uh, break it down, NXT is the best product out there right now. In terms of the WWE, yeah, I agree with that for sure. So, did you, I mean, you I mean, it's just, the match. You know what it is? Vince, yeah, no, I loved it. It was a great match. Vince is not, uh, Vince. <laughs> Triple H, now, now I'm turning it to you, calling people by the wrong name. Triple H just knows what he's doing. He knows how to put on a good wrestling product. That's how you can tell the difference between the NXT and the WWE. It's bloated. Look at WrestleMania. It's like 13 hours. It's got 75 matches. NXT is five matches, five solid matches, five show-stealing matches, five title matches pretty much, you know, most of them. And, and that's the way it should be. That's like old-school wrestling, and that's why it's so good. And it's ironic that Johnny Wrestling becomes the first-ever Triple Crown NXT champion. You know, and I told you this the other day, it's funny because Adam Cole was the first ever North American champion who then lost it to Ricochet, who then lost that belt to Johnny Gargano, and now Gargano, instead of beating Tommaso Ciampa, the Blackheart, for the title, of course, he's out with a neck injury, he beats Cole for it, so it's kind of like this interesting, you know, wheel with the three of them, 
I was watching a table for three in the WWE Network with Adam Cole, Ricochet, and Johnny, a.k.a. Joey Gargano, and it was fascinating. I really loved it, but it was it's interesting when you look at their history, how intertwined they are with each other. But that, you know, getting back to the, the, the title at hand, Gargano and Cole, that match, that two out of three falls, was absolutely amazing. It was an absolute wrestling clinic. I loved every second of it, and it was just great. It was honestly one of the best matches I've ever seen. And definitely one of the best matches I've seen in a very long time. It would have been nice him and Champa, but him and Cole gave it a different flavor, which I liked. And I mean, Adam Cole can go. He, he looks like a, like a janitor with that with his, his squatty little arms. But man, that, can that boy wrestle? Yeah, and the fact that, like you said, Triple H always has the formula right. It's really five or six matches. The card is only about two and a half to three hours at most, and the crowd is always into it. I mean, the crowd is always hot for an NXT match, and they were just. They were white hot for that match at the end with uh, Gargano and uh, Adam Cole. So um, just in terms of wrestling, and that's why I told you, and you laughed at me, I, I don't want to see like Ricochet uh, and people like that go onto the main roster because once they're on the main roster, they're just misused. They're, they're stuck in the mid-card. Um, Ricochet should be fighting for the U.S. title or the Intercontinental title. Instead, he's tagging up with Aleister Black, and to me, that's just the wrong move because... You know, when you put two single guys into a tag team, um, I understand that you think that um, Vince thinks that the bar was a good idea. But like, you know, even Cesaro, for example, he should not be a tag team wrestler anymore, and now he's stuck with that that stigma. The Swiss being a tag team. Yeah, the bar, and I, I think that Cesaro could definitely be, or could have been, a great singles wrestler and could have been a great champion. I, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. He ruins them just like he ruins like everyone else. He was over at one point for sure, and to see him now, you know, in the position that he's in, I mean, I guess it is what it is, but I definitely think Cesaro, that they dropped the ball on him. They they foobarred him, so there's just no way around that, but Vince loves to dump on these guys, and I just don't get it. I don't get what goes through creator's mind. I mean, I love Kofi. I've always been a fan of his, even back when he was Jamaican. Um, somehow he switched, he switched countries and nationalities, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but, I mean, you're telling me they put the belt on Kofi. There's so many other guys. They could have put the belt on Booker. They could have put the belt on Mark Henry. I mean, they won the World Heavyweight Championship. But, you know, there's other guys um, that they could have given the title to. And then he's the first African-American, quote-unquote, you know, champion of all time in terms of the WWE. And, you know, there's so many, Matt Hardy, so many talented wrestlers in general who could have been champion. They never gave them the ball, and they're giving it to Kofi. I just think that the, I think that the uh, timing and everything is interesting, sir. I, I find it interesting too, and then that all leads up to you know WrestleMania and uh, was on April eighth, and then this past week, this past two days was the shakeup. I'm always never totally thrilled with the shakeup. I guess the biggest move was that Roman Reigns, which we predicted Roman Reigns would end up on SmackDown, and that's right. the reason. I think the, the reason why he ended up on SmackDown is because they're going to be on Fox, and they need like the biggest star um, on on Fox to promote that that move from USA to Fox. Um, what did you think of this year's shakedown? To me, it was lackluster, as always. I thought it was lackluster. I, I like Finn. I, even though I'm not a fan, I tweeted this earlier, of uh, of Finn Balor. I think it's a good move. I think he should be on SmackDown. I think they can do a lot more with him on SmackDown. I, I think the reason that um, he's on SmackDown, Joe is going to go to Raw, but apparently he's really ill. I was just reading earlier that he was like severely ill, so they couldn't do the whole thing. They were going to do something with him and Strowman on Raw. But since Joe's out, they just pretty much ignored it. I think he's just going to show up on Raw next week, and they'll make mention of it then. But I think uh, he, Balor belongs on SmackDown, and I think he can make more of a of headway there. But 
all things being considered. Now that Roman is on SmackDown, I mean, that's going to be his yard. You know it's going to be his yard. Um, I like Elias on SmackDown. He's entertaining. You know, I think it's a good move. Kyrie Sane came to the main roster. She's teaming with Asuka. I guess they got to do something with her. If those two aren't tag champions by, by SummerSlam, then something's wrong with this company. Um, but then when you look at uh, Raw, I mean, AJ Styles is in Raw. I love the AJ, you know, the house that AJ built being SmackDown, but it is what it is at this point. Um, the Miz basically has switched every single year. So although I do like the Miz, not a surprise there. You got Black and Ricochet. You've got Andrade. You've got Raymond Stadio. You've got the Usos. You've got Naomi. You've got EC3. So, I mean, definitely lackluster. But the biggest name in the company did go over to SmackDown, so I do think that's a that's a big deal, sir. What's cool, I think, now when you mention all that, is that I know that Seth Rollins just won the Universal Title, but. I mean, when you look at who's on Raw now, you have Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, eventually Samoa Joe, you have AJ Styles. These are all people that could be legit Universal Champions that should give uh, Seth Rollins a run for his money. I mean, those guys that I just named right there could definitely be Universal Champions. And, and I think Samoa Joe will get his uh, his his, t- his turn to be the Universal Champion in due time. But even I like hope people so. Like Drew, I really but even do. Like people but Drew McIntyre has really built his character up, and I think he, I, Bobby Lashley. I don't know what they're doing with him. With uh, I don't Nothing. even know the guy's name that he's with, but um, what's that guy's Leo name? Leo Rush. Yeah, I mean that that to me is ruining his character. I mean, <laughs> he could he he could have been a powerhouse, but instead he's with a guy that's I don't know. I, that that to me just ruins it with Bobby Lashley. But think about this: you got AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, like I mentioned, and Samoa Joe. All people that could be legit universal champions uh, versus Seth Rollins. Yeah, I think so. I definitely want Joe to beat him for the title. Absolutely want Joe to beat him. Would you think that's your SummerSlam main event, or do you think that's a Survivor Series at this point? Um, I would like SummerSlam. I don't, I don't think Seth needs a long run with the title. You know, Joe's not getting any younger. Just give him the strap on Monday. Just literally hand it to him. That's all I care about. <laughs> you think that, um, I mean... Drew McIntyre, I thought actually, I, I really thought that Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns were going to end up on SmackDown because now that Kofi Kingston is the champion, I can't name really more than, I don't know, Roman Reigns that just, you know, came over that would take the strap off of him. Can you name anyone on the SmackDown roster at this point that you feel is worthy of being the WWE champion? Um, on SmackDown? Yeah. You mean other than Roman? That's what I'm saying. Other than Roman, who else could you name as a contender That's for Coffee's title? <laughs> pretty much it. Kevin Owens, I guess, even though I think Kevin Owens just joined the New Day tonight, so I'm not entirely <laughs> sure if that's even official or not, but he's called the Big O instead of the Big E, so I'm just not really sure. That's because he's uh, injured, as you uh, told me off there, right? Yes, yeah, I think he, he, tore, he tore some muscle or something. He'll be out yeah. for a few months. So even like, you know, I, I don't want to pick on the Hardys, but come on, do, do the Hardys really need to be the tag team champions again? Um, what's the interesting stat? Throw it out there because I found it very interesting what you told me about the Hardy boys and, the, and their tag team oh, championships. They're the only team, the only team in uh, WWE history to win the tag team championships in three separate decades. If they just wait one more year, I would <laughs> literally, January 1st, 2020, I would give them the titles just to say that they won the championships in four separate decades. That's sick. I mean, think about that. There's nothing that, that that old, and they would have had the title in four different decades. Come on, that's that's crazy. 
It's pretty amazing. I want that. I need that. It's got to happen. Yeah, and, you know, you have to break up this at this point. You, I mean, the bar didn't separate. That One didn't show up on Raw. So you need to break up the bar just for the fact that you need, like, Cesaro or or Sheamus to go after Kofi Kingston. I don't think that uh, they, they'd beat Kofi Kingston for the title, but you never know. Um, but SmackDown, as always, seems to me, to me anyway, that they get the, the shorter end of the stick whenever they shake down draft lotteries or whatever happens. And then I guess the bigger question is that now that – We've had WrestleMania, now that we've had the shakeup, who's in charge of these shows? Is it still going to be the McMahons? Because Shane is always in a storyline with, with The Miz still, so I don't know how he runs a show, whether it be SmackDown or Raw. I don't know what Stephanie's doing. So I, I, to me, it's, it's a mess. I mean, I thought you would have general managers again running the, the, the shows, but it doesn't look that way. Right. Uh, no, it doesn't seem like it. Now that Shane's a heel and everybody's a heel in authority, I just, I don't know, I don't get it, honestly. I don't think they know what the hell they're doing. So, the next pay-per-view, uh, which is weird again, uh, I believe is called, uh, you know, the next pay-per-view is May 19th. It's Money in the Bank, which is usually the June pay-per-view. Usually May is right. usually res- reserved for backlash because it's the backlash from WrestleMania, but backlash <laughs> even that, they've got, even, the, even, the, even that they got wrong. So, I, I I don't know. I, the fat kid that ate the whole chocolate cake. I always feel that way after watching WrestleMania. <laughs> I just think it's funny that first of all, that's uh, you're being uh, bigoted right there, and uh, you're being you. uh, a taste speech. But I think it's interesting that uh, you always say that every single year, and I just don't feel that way. To me, I can understand. I can understand if you were there, like if you were literally in. If you were literally at WrestleMania for that long, but you're just watching at home, or you could do whatever you want, but somehow you always feel like the kid that ate the cake and everything else, and you feel sick to your stomach, and you start throwing up and vomiting and everything else, I mean, you know, enough's enough. Enough's enough! Yeah, we should really get off the wrestling topic. Let me ask you this while we have, like, seven more minutes on the, before we go off the air. Um, just looking at the uh, – I just want to talk about your, your football giants. I don't know what, when this happened or how this happened, but – um, I, I feel like the Jets organization have become the Giants organization and vice versa. So the Giants are a mess right now, and the Jets are really doing the right thing, building up their talent and hopefully building a playoff team, eventually uh, making a run for the Super Bowl. But the fact that Eli Manning, I know he won you two Super Bowls, and for me as a Jet fan, if I won two Super Bowls with Eli Manning, he'd be a god for me forever. I wouldn't care what he did. But to me, right now, Eli Manning's not being the team player. He seems to be the guy that wants to stick around, make his money, and then retire. Oh, he needs to go to away. Him. Are you kidding me? He needs to go away. He needs to go to a different team. Eli's done. You know, they did him dirty what they did a couple of years ago, but Eli's got to go. The Giants are an absolute mess, and I think they're. I don't think they're going to be good for a while. I still don't understand what they were thinking, um, you know, as far as getting rid of o- Odell and then what they got for him, a 17th pick in the I just don't know. I feel like Dave Gettleman has absolutely no clue what he's doing. Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to get to. I was, uh, you had to let me finish. I, I was just telling you that if I had won two Super Bowls as a Jeff fan and the Jets won two Super Bowls, I wouldn't care what Eli Manning would did. And the, the fact that you've lived through, I think you've lived through all four giant Super Bowls in your lifetime is incredible to have yeah. four Super Bowls. I mean, we can't all be Patriot fans, obviously, where we win every other year. But the fact that the Giants organization, probably second or third ever, you know, next to the Steelers and the Patriots for um, – being a storied franchise, 
I think that, yes, I think that Eli Manning now needs to realize that if he really wants to be a team player, if he really cares about the Giants organization, he needs to either step down or leave and go to a different team or just retire because as far as I, as far as I see, he doesn't have it anymore. His arm is not there anymore. Um, you know, they, they, made, they, they even traded Beckham um, to the Cleveland Browns, which to me was a, a dumb move. Um, I just don't know what the Giants are thinking, and I, I really think that the Giants have become the Jets and the Jets have become the Giants. It's a shame. It's sad, and uh, I don't know. I just the only there's only one thing that I could say to that. Honestly, Uh-oh. if we're gonna if we're gonna be uh, <laughs> real, you know, as far as the shame on you. <laughs> How about the Woody Johnson? <laughs> Johnson quick pipe? Stop right smoking now. the Woody Johnson quick pipe. <laughs> you know. Um, as we close out the show, I, I gotta get serious for a minute. How how devastated <laughs> yes, were you? <laughs> how devastated were you when you found out that the um, the Notre Dame um, Cathedral was on fire yesterday? Uh, it's sad, honestly. You know, so much history, obviously, for the Catholic Church, and uh, you know, history. I love history. I'm a history guy. I love it. You know, art history and stuff. It's an absolute shame, sir. It, it's it's just very sad. I'm sure I you know were it. devastated. No, when I saw that, I, I couldn't believe it. I uh, sadly, I know you're gonna ha- you're probably gonna hang up on me, but I thought it was ex- actually an act of terrorism when I first saw it because it's Holy Week this week, and I thought that like you know terrorists uh, tried to burn that church down. That's sad, right? Yeah. Well, is it really that far fetched? I don't know. I, I do you really think terrorists would try to burn down the the most iconic church? Um, maybe the most iconic church in the world. I guess that's possible, but during Holy Week, oof, that's that's rough. <laughs> it's that's very possible. I mean, apparently it was an accident, but you know, who really knows if that's true? But yeah, I yeah. could see that happening. It's very possible, sir. Yeah, and I guess that's that. You know, we are during, we we are in the most. Um, it's not the most religious week of the year, but it's the the you know the biggest. Yeah, no, it is. I would say it's the most. I would say it is. Because Christmas is more, I mean, yeah, Jesus' birth and everything, but it's more about gifts and everything else. Where yeah. Christmas is almost completely secularized where Easter isn't. So I would say that Easter or Resurrection Sunday, as other people like to call it, uh, I would say that it's the most, um, quote-unquote, religious day of the year. Yeah, so that's coming up. So I want to wish you and your family a happy Easter, and uh, God bless, and we made it through another show. Hopefully we have another show this year. If not, um, hopefully. You know, we'll see. Probably if- not, but hopefully. Yeah, next year, remember, is a, another presidential election, so we'll see if Trump can uh, beat out one of the 15 contenders on the Democratic side. Well, I, no, I actually think they're – I'm pretty sure they're at 18 right now with more to come, so that's <laughs> going to be an absolute disaster. And I'm not even kidding. That's going to be an absolute disaster. I think Trump's going to win in a landslide, but that's neither here nor there. Sir, it's been a pleasure. Yours, of course. Folks, I wish I could say check out our website, but you can't. Have a wonderful <laughs> evening. And uh, let's just uh, let's do what we always do. Let's close the show out the only way that we know how here on PG. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure gold. Pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. You guys are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we are, Nikki. Thank you so much. Uh, have a good night, sir. You too. Goodbye. Woo.